You're listening to episode number 32 of the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I have on this week youth motivational speaker, author, Heather Schultz. Today, Heather and I will talk all about resiliency, what it means to her, and how you can be resilient and push through obstacles you never thought you could. I had the pleasure of seeing Heather speak in person, and let me tell you, she is just a firecracker, and she brings that energy to this podcast episode. I'm so excited for you to tune in. Let's go. Welcome to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Reyes, a college student here to help you fashion your passion and transform your life. This past year, I've learned a lot about living out your true passions and implementing the best habits, and I'm ready to share these tips with you. Season three is nothing like you've ever heard on any other podcast before, and I'm so excited to take you on this journey with me. Let's get to it. As many of you know, this podcast was just a 4 a.m. idea in preparation for a school project. Now it is a way that I get to spread my voice and help other teens create the best habits for their life. I want to hear your voice too. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's all the tools you need in the app or on their website. And my favorite part is that Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You can make money from your podcast too. It's everything you need. And all you have to do is go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. I can't wait to listen to your podcast. Welcome back to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. Today, I am here with Heather Schultz, who is a youth motivational speaker, also an author. And I got the opportunity to hear her speak last year at one of the conferences I attended. And I just was so moved by her speech that I had to have her on the podcast. And I'm so excited to welcome Heather to the podcast today. So welcome. Thank you, Sammy. That's sweet. If you could just, for my listeners, just tell a little bit about yourself and what you do and sort of how you got to this point in your journey. My name is Heather Schultz, and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born and raised in Michigan, and that's kind of where my journey started. All through growing up, I was always kind of that kid who never shied away from the spotlight, from the center of attention. I was a cheerleader, dancer, baton twirler, you know, that kind of kid growing up. I belonged to a performing arts troupe where there were singers and dancers and speakers in this performing arts troupe. And we would tour around the United States. And one of our tours came through Atlanta, Georgia. We performed at a conference, kind of like the Entertainment Act at this conference. Got to know some of the staff members at this conference and just somehow had a really authentic connection with many of them, especially the president of this organization. And my sister was also part of this traveling troupe. And about a year after that, I was a sophomore in college, entering my sophomore year. They called my sister and I and said, hey, we are wanting to tie in youth into our organization, because right now it's just an adult program. And we think both of you would be great assets to help us get the youth off the ground and running. And so I was kind of a naive, I guess, which was benefiting me at the time. But I was like, okay, didn't really even give it a second thought. Packed my bags and little 18-year-old girl from Michigan moved to Atlanta, Georgia, took this position worked as a national youth trainer. So what that meant is 
I had about 30 high school students who would travel with me all over the United States. And we would do much like what I was doing when I discovered this organization, attending conferences, performing, leading workshops, things like that. I just kept finding myself out in front, leading these trainings, leading these workshops. And then I attended one of these conferences where there was a keynote speaker. And Sammy, I had never even heard of a keynote speaker. Had no idea what that was. And I'm sitting in the audience thinking, oh my gosh, I think I could do that. In fact, I want to do that. So I went to the president of this organization that I was working with and said, you know, again, this is where me being naive, I guess, and probably a little cocky, okay, to my benefit. (laughs) I said, I want to try that. Can you get me a keynote job? I just thought it was that easy, you know. I never knew that there were years and years that went into that. And he did. Lo and behold, he got me a keynote, 45-minute keynote. And I had no experience. I didn't even really know what my message would be. But I was for sure thrown into the deep end because my first keynote was for several thousand people in the audience. I just remember loving it and feeling like so at home. And at that point, I didn't really know what my message was going to be. But I think I got over that initial hurdle of, can I even do this? Do I have a voice? So after that, I just started crafting a message. And my message changes throughout the years. I've been speaking for about 26 years. My message changes all the time, kind of based on what I'm going through in my personal life. So it's not a script. It's not like bullet points that I try to talk about. It's really real life what's going on with me and what am I learning at this moment in my life that I want to share with others. I don't know. I feel like part of our stories are very similar because I remember I had been going to that conference that I saw you speak at. That was like my fourth year I had gone. I just remember every year I was like, oh, maybe I could do something like that or maybe not. And I feel like last year when I went and I saw you and Kate and Kyra, I was like, you know what? Like, this is it. Like, I actually can do this. And then in April for my senior presentation, that's exactly what I did. And just like in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, like I actually can do this, you know, and I feel like just seeing people already do what you want to do is so beneficial. And then afterwards, if you start to make connections with them, too, it helps because then you can ask them questions and just sort of see how they work on stage and like behind the scenes as well. And I feel like that's I related to that. and I kind of like that. But talk to me. Yeah, a little you bit. were so smart. I remember you coming up to me afterwards. You were so smart to come up and you didn't hold back. You're like, I want to do what you're doing. And how do I do that? I love it when students come up to me afterwards. And I do have to say a lot of students do. But there's a handful that actually take it that next step and do something with it. And I love to be on that journey with students to, in some small way, maybe I inspire them to take that leap. Do you remember when we met and I high-fived you? Yeah. (laughs) I missed and I slapped you across the face. Mm -hmm. And you just laughed, and I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> My kind of girl. Uh-huh. So it's been fun to watch you and in, in your Thank journey you. in this. Thank you. Yeah, because I feel like that conference was really, like, the pivotal point because before that I was so keen and, like, I was so set on, like, becoming, like, a rabbi and I was going to do all this stuff and da-da-da and, you know, like, all that stuff like that. And, like, that conference was, was like, okay, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I want to speak in a different way. And then – Two months later, I created this podcast. And then six months after, like four months after that, 
I was up in front of 300, 400 people talking about how to find your passion. And just the way it's all played out was really something Mm -hmm. special. It's been a crazy ride. And to have, you know, you and so many other people on this ride with me, just I'm forever grateful. I always say, like I kind of hit on a few minutes ago, Mm -hmm. let your message be your passion. Because if you don't have a passion for what you're talking about, it's going to be words and nothing more. I love it when people say, I can feel your passion. Mm -hmm. To me, that's saying, I can feel what your message is, what you're trying to convey. And I always tell people, you know, you got to make money, you got to pay the bill. But if you can find a way to tie your passion into all of that, that's what speaking in my career is all about. I was remembering your speech from last year and I was like, you know what? She was such a firecracker. I can't believe how much energy she had. I was like, this is insane. I was like, I don't know how to do that. I sometimes get that, but how does she have this so much energy? It was crazy. But no, you're so right. Yeah, it just comes alive when you're sharing a story and you're like, I want these people to get what I'm trying to say. And I want to, hopefully, if there's somebody sitting in the audience that's struggling with something I'm talking about, I need to connect to them. It's really a need for me to connect with people in the audience that need to hear that message. I think that's kind of a good description of what passion is. A hundred percent. I want to just segue into resilience. I feel like passion and resilience, I deal with them hand in hand just because when I'm so passionate about something, if there are things that are trying to knock me down, I feel like I'm able to continue with what I'm doing because it's lit my heart on fire. Can you just first touch on like how you define resiliency and like what that means to you? Absolutely. That is what I am talking on now is a resilient mindset. Mm -hmm. And I come at it with a couple different angles, but it's not like I sat down and picked a word out of a hat. So this is what I'm going to speak on. One thing is as a speaker, and I think that has helped me stay around as long as I have, you know, 26 years, I really thought that once I spoke for a few years, I'd be done and my audience would be done listening to me, but that just hasn't happened. And I'm going into 26 years now. And about two years ago, something I always try to do is to make sure my message is authentic, is relevant, and is a passion of mine. And I try to make sure that my program, I speak in front of sometimes the same audiences and I want to make sure I have new material, a, a new approach new things I'm bringing to the stage. And about two years ago, I sat down and said, okay, I am going to redo my keynote because I kind of need a jump start. I want to feel like it's the first time doing it, that, that feeling where you're so excited to get out there because it's just the first time you've done this keynote. I want to do that. I got some really good advice from a fellow speaker. They said, when you're rewriting your material, Take your entire, for me at this point, it was my keynote, take your entire keynote and throw it out Mm -hmm. and then decide what is it that you want to speak on. So for me, it wasn't what I want to speak on. For me, it was what's going on in my life that I feel a need to share. And this is what you heard me speak on. I was coming to terms with growing up in a home where my father was an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and he was abusive. I was coming to terms with how that fit into my life and what that meant to me today. How did that shape me today? 
because then my father passed away a few years ago. And I knew that before my dad passed away, I wanted to be able to honestly say that I had forgiven him. That was a journey to come to that kind of place in your life where you can really forgive somebody. But it was so emotional because at times I loved my dad. At times I hated what he did. So it's trying to find a place for all those emotions to make sense in my life and kind of let me learn from that experience. So I kept asking myself, what is that experience? Because it happened for a reason. What is that experience supposed to teach me and how can I use that today to help shape who I am and even shape my message? And I just kept coming back to the word of resiliency, that everything that happened with my dad, I wasn't going to let it break me. I wasn't going to let it define me, but I wanted to use it as a way to help define my message and what I wanted my audience to know. And I've always known for years and years that there's kids sitting in my audience that are feeling broken, Mm -hmm. that are going home to a home with a father like I had and kind of home I grew up with. And so I really wanted to reach those students. And through this journey, I realized that I'm even more resilient than I thought I was because I started thinking about other areas of my life and how there's been times where things in my life could have broken me, but they didn't. Times in my life where I have completely fell on my face and failed, but knew I needed to use that as a lesson to make me better for the next time I try. So this message just started kind of coming together very naturally for me, which just landed into the keynote that I'm telling today, a a resilient mindset, and how I was able to take everything that my dad did and said and represented and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and understand that through all of this, it was really my mom and my dad that taught me so much about being resilient Mm -hmm. in an odd way. People think it's the parents saying, oh my gosh, you fell down, get back up. But no, it was my dad in a way saying, I did all of these horrible things and I regret it. And he's asked for forgiveness. But look, you're my daughter and you're still standing. You made it through. And I think that looking back at everything my dad's ever taught me, that was really the message behind his life and his death that I am resilient and I made it through and I'm not broken. No, 100%. And I feel like that is so impactful because a lot of people will often take negative experiences that have happened to them and they'll tell themselves like, oh, like this has happened to me. And so this is why I'm this way or this is why I'm that way. And there's no way that I can change anything about that. But what I've learned in the past year from your talk and from a bunch of different other things is that it's not true. And sort of if you can rewrite that script or that story in your mind about who you are and what truly defines you, you could really take your life to the next level and really be able to be like, yes, this happened and I learned X, Y, and Z from this. But how can I sort of move on and say, let me do something better with what I've learned from that? I think sometimes messages take a long time to land somewhere in your life that they make sense. I grew up as a child with an alcoholic father. 
And then I moved out of the house, moved to Atlanta, was on my own, just kind of swept a lot of those feelings under the rug. And then years and years later, as my dad was diagnosed with cancer and only had a few months to live, it was at that time I knew I needed to get some of these feelings into some sort of a place that made sense because once he passed, I didn't want to have any regret not saying things to him and I didn't want to regret not giving him the forgiveness that I felt like he needed and that I needed. And that lesson of resilience didn't land with me, make sense or really show itself until just a couple of years ago. So sometimes these lessons take years and years to reveal themselves. And I would, it did along the way, but I kept pushing it back down. Yeah. And then I just got real with myself. I was like, you know, your audience deserves the best message that you can give to them. And I'll, again, do what's going on in my life. And so that's what was going on in my life. That's how my whole message that I'm currently delivering right now came to be. What would be one piece of advice that you would give someone who is like in that sort of like middle ground? They're going through something and they're really struggling with it and they don't think they can get past it. But they're just in that season where it's like they're just stuck in the middle of like that situation. I wish I had a couple of liners that could always be that one thing that makes people pushes them over the top in the right direction. But if we all knew what that magic bullet was, there wouldn't be struggles. Mm -hmm. So I always say, you'll probably heard just for the kind of job you want to have. So I kind of live like that where it's think for the kind of life you want to have. Do for the kind of person you want to become or be. So looking at this, I was kind of done wallowing in self-pity or why did I have to have a dad like that or why did my dad do that? Why couldn't my dad have been the dad that made this perfect home for me to come home to every day? Instead of that, I had to say, okay, this is where I am and this is the person I want to be as a result of that. So then I had to start living as the person I saw myself wanting to be. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I didn't want to live with anger anymore. You probably heard me say, I heard this said once, and it made so much sense to me. Every minute you spend anger, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be angry. And I wanted to live a life that would take me to that next level of happiness. And so I just had to keep thinking what is the lesson here? What is the lesson? What is the lesson? And then how do I apply that not only to my own life, but also to my message? And believe it or not, through crafting this new keynote and this new message was so incredibly liberating for me. It was freeing for me to make myself vulnerable, tear myself down, so then I could understand the message that my dad's life and death was right there trying to teach me. And once I could do that, then I could just keep powering through and becoming better because of my dad's life and death and my dad's message that ultimately he ended up teaching me. I think that that is a great little segue into the book that you wrote called Live Extraordinary. And I personally love it. 
I think that it exemplifies what a lot of adults are currently doing in their life. That teens, if they learned it right now, they could sort of get a head start into where they want to go in the future. So if you could just touch on that, talk about that a little bit. Well, let me ask you this. What was your favorite chapter? Ooh, that's so hard. I don't know. I mean, they were all really good. I think, oh, anytime someone asks me about like what my favorite thing is, I'm like, I literally have no idea. I just like all of it. I don't know. That's hard to so hard. It down. Yeah. I can't choose a favorite. That would just be like, you know, like they were all just yeah. together, you know? Each chapter for the audience here, yeah. I wrote a book called Live Extraordinary, and each chapter was a life lesson that I wanted to share with others. There's something somewhat interesting about that book is my dad passed away in March of 2011. I was speaking at a national conference that following June. Huge conference. I thought this would be a great place to launch my book. And so I set a goal for myself to write this book, have it done, printed, off the press, boxed up, ready to go with me to this conference. Okay, again, that was kind of naive of me. I had never written a book. To, to write a book in a matter of two months <laughs> mm-hmm. and go through all of the publishing and, and everything that, that goes through with writing a book, but I did it. But that book is really kind of what helped me get on the road to understanding what my dad's life and death was trying to teach me. Remember, I started writing that book probably two weeks after my dad passed away. I'm sitting at my laptop many days just bawling, screaming, thinking to myself, Dad, what is it you're teaching me? I still haven't processed your death, but I know there's something here I'm supposed to be learning, trying to put it into words, trying to put it into a chapter. And I just kept trying to understand the message. So that book is really what jump-started me understanding resiliency and how that applied to me and to my life. One thing in that book, I do tell the story of my dad growing up with an alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, and you might even reread that chapter and then compare it to what you heard me speak on last year, the book, the chapter didn't go into any detail because I was not at a point in my life where I was publicly talking about that. So all I say in the book is growing up with an alcoholic father who was abusive, and I left it at that. Mm -hmm. And then after that book, so many people were contacting me saying, we need more. We need more of a lesson of what growing up with an alcoholic father was like for you. You kind of didn't finish the story. And they were absolutely right. And I didn't finish it because I didn't understand it yet. So then I got on that journey of rewriting my keynote and my message and going back to what is it that I'm learning from this. And out of that came my new that you heard. And that is why now from the stage in the last year and a half or so, I go into much more detail about some of the abuse. And the reason I do that is because that is what I need to do to make a connection with people in my audience. Right. 
And now I have so many students come up to me afterwards, some needing help, some just wanting someone to listen, some wanting to just share their own story of, hey, I'm going home to the same kind of house you grew up in. My dad's an alcoholic too. And do you have any advice? And I still stay in touch with a lot of those kids after I speak. And so that journey with my book really jump-started so many things in my life. My own understanding, how I'm not broken. It also jump-started a new keynote that is what's going on with me in my life now and how I think I'm making more authentic connections from this stage about that message. So looking at that book, resiliency to me comes in so many shapes and forms and levels because like dealing with what I'm talking about with my dad, that's pretty deep resiliency. Yeah. Then there's also other resiliency, like the story about Liberty. So Liberty is my daughter. And when I wrote this book, she was, I don't know, like maybe 10, 9 or 10. And she's always been kind of a, a little bit of a sassy girl, just has a lot of oomph in her life, and she's always been athletic. So she got this postcard in the mail and it was recruiting boys to play on an all-boys football team. And then they had a picture of a girl in a cheerleading outfit and saying, and girls, come be cheerleaders. Well, that made Liberty really mad because she thought they were trying to say only girls could be cheerleaders and only boys could be athletes. Mm-hmm. So she went to this organization and said, hey, if I put together my own girls football team, would you allow us to play? And she had to get special permission for this, and but they did. And those girls ended up going undefeated. They won every single game and then won the championship at the end of the year. And they had a lot of boys teasing them and saying mean things to them right during games. That is, to me, also not as deep as what I went through with my dad, but it's a lesson about being resilient. Those girls could have, on the football field, heard one boy say something mean and wanted to give up, but they didn't. So resilience comes in all shapes and sizes, but I think along the way, it also builds who you are. And I think failing builds who you are. You know, you are only as good as your last fail. And what you learn from that fail is what's going to teach you how to do it better the next time. That's why I find failing so exciting because you fail and it's like, oh my gosh, I did that wrong. I can't wait to do it again because now I know better. That's so flipping exciting right there. No, I think definitely from your talk, I've definitely seen failure in a different way because I don't know. I feel like every time I would not do something right, I felt like I was just like this terrible person. I just like, I couldn't do anything right if I didn't do this one thing right. But then, you know, I realized that like, that's not true at all. <laughs> and it's just one small thing that like can be tweaked and changed and turn out better the next time. Exactly. How exciting that can be. Yeah, 100%. I want to move to my final question, which is the question that I ask all the guests who have ever been on this podcast. And that is based off of the title of the podcast, which is Fashion Your Passion. What is one tip after all of these little golden nuggets that you've given us that you would give dreamers based off of how you have fashioned your passion? Interesting question. (laughs) I tend to be a passionate person just by nature. Right. That usually comes through just when people talk to me or see me speak because I get so excited over little nuggets that I want to share 
or things that I'm learning from my audience, it's definitely a two-way street. But what would I want to share about passion? Don't be afraid of it. Yeah. Don't be afraid of it. You can look at that in so many different ways. It's like if you have a dream, something you want to do, and it's your passion, don't be afraid of it. Me getting out on stage, some people are definitely afraid to speak in front of people. And I so get that. I have people in my life that are like that. That's my passion. So for me to get out there on that stage with a microphone and, and start sharing it, that is where I'm supposed to be. Everyone's passion is different. Some people have very quiet passion. Right. Those are awesome too. But whatever your passion is, don't fear it. Don't fear what is around it. Mm -hmm. Because anytime I think you bring fear into your life, you're going to miss out on something. You're going to miss out. And I'm not saying that you live a reckless life. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that you live a life that allows you, remember at the beginning, I said, decide who it is you want to be and then live your life to become that person. Mm -hmm. Fear keeps you from becoming that person. My daughter, Liberty, who I know you've heard me speak about, is in my book. Well, she is now like 20, almost 21. She's a little bit of an influencer. She's got her own YouTube channel. She's a vlogger. And she has her own quote now. It's even just got printed on t-shirts last week. It says, create your own box. And when she explains it, it's so interesting because she said, you know, everyone always says, get outside of your comfort zone. Get outside of your box. And she's like, never mind that. I'm not even going to have somebody else's box that I have to get out of. Yeah. I'm going to create my own box. And to me, that's so inspiring right there because it's about just not fearing someone else's box mm -hmm. and not fearing your own box. It's just create your own box. And to me, that is so much what life is about. That's amazing. I love that. Finally, where can people find you on like social media and stuff like that? Instagram at Heather Speaker. Facebook, obviously, just my name. I'm on Twitter, too. Don't use that as much. So if you really want to get me, Instagram mm -hmm. is going to be the best way. And then, of course, you can go to my website, HeatherSchultz.net. Don't do .com because there's another HeatherSchultz.com. Mm -hmm. There's been a couple of them. One was a realtor. And then one was some singer, songwriter out of Chicago, but it's heathershow.net. Thank you so much once again for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This was an amazing and conversation. You know, Sammy, I have yeah. to say how proud I am of you and what you're doing. To see that girl that came up to me in New York, all excited, and you told me, you didn't ask me how to do this. You said, you're going to do it. Do I have any advice? That was huge. That was a huge moment. You don't even know that. That was a huge moment in your life when you didn't say, hey, I'd like to try this. You said, I'm going to do this. Do you have any advice? Keep with that. Always yes. keep thinking you're going to do this. Just how you're going to do it is up in the air. Right. Not whether or not, you know, you're going to do it or not. And I'm just so proud of you. And I hope that you continue to allow me to be on your journey and watch you. And I'm just so excited for things you're doing. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. Oh, my goodness.
Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I hope you learned something from this episode. And if you did, don't forget to screenshot you listening to this episode, post on your Instagram story, and tag me at Fashion Your Passion podcast. I love hearing what you learned. As well, do not forget to scroll down and leave a rating and review. I love to read those too and know what you guys are thinking about the podcast. Be sure to tell all of your friends about this podcast because I want to spread this to as many teens as possible. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week.